Hey, hey, welcome back to The Fadeaway with me, Dion Thomas, and my partner in crime, Eric Schmidt. Eric, how you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Ah, always a pleasure. Hey, today we have one of the all-time great student-athletes from the University of Illinois. Better yet, one of the all-time greats to ever don the, a, a U of I jersey. He was recently inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, as well as the Hall of Fame of the University of Illinois. He's highly responsible for a lot of the success for the Fighting Illini football team during the early to mid-90s. And I'm going to tell you why right here. When I read an article, they called my man Mr. Consistency. Mr. Consistency because he's one of the only linebackers ever to average over 100 tackles per season. Two-time All-Big Ten Player of the Year. Two-time first-team All-American the first Fighting Illini football winner, uh, player to win, if you can believe this, the Dick Buckets Award. And everybody know Dick Buckets is a famous Illini. Got to go to Illini. <laughs> you know, so Dana was the first one to win that. Also won the Jack Lambert Award, honoring the best linebacker in college football. He is also the all-time leading tackler in Big Ten football with 595 tackles. It's a lot of doggone hidden. Does this ever get old, Dana? <laughs> well, I mean, you did know, we I read it just like you sent it to us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we, it went on from there. Great college we, career, but went on to be drafted by the Dallas Mavericks in 1995. And I have to say, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> You're I'm talking sorry, about yourself you right. now. That's your bio. Yeah, you are right. That was mine. <laughs> <laughs> but on another note, hey, he, and he played for my Chicago Bears, baby. Gotta love that. Another, of course, everybody knows the linebackers from the Bears. But then he finished his career in 1999 in a place that I am familiar with, playing in Europe for the Amsterdam Admirals. We got Hall of Famer Dana Howard. How you doing, brother? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? <laughs> hey, no, it's just a pleasure for us to be able to have you on, man. And you know, Eric and I have, you know, we've been doing the podcast, have been really focusing on trying to get a lot of the uh, former Illini players on, but man, we couldn't have one bigger than you, brother. You've done so much throughout your career at the University of Illinois that it's a pleasure for us to have you on. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, just as much as I've done, you've done about the same, Dion, so ain't no big. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just in a different seat now, so <laughs> I'm in this seat. This is all about you, baby. I got you. I got you. I appreciate it. Hey, coming off a big weekend, Dana, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that you were recently inducted into the Hall of Fame. Can you tell talk a little bit about how, you know, what that meant to you to be recognized um, on that level? Man, it was, it was huge uh, to be up there with guys like Kendall Gill, uh, uh, Jim Grabowski, Selena Mundy. Uh, I mean, Alex Agassi, you know, guys like that who are, who back in the days, the 20s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, I mean, it, it was huge for me. I just appreciate uh, people, you know, giving me props for something that I just like to do. Well, that, that, that's, that, the scene, and that sounds like you. You were always one of the guys that never uh, touted how, how good of a player you were. And, and I shouldn't say good. Good is an understatement. How great of a football player that was. And I think that's one of the things that truly endeared uh, everybody to you, man, because you were a beast, brother. 
Well, I just tried it. They just told me what to do, and I just went out and did it. <laughs> I'm sure it was that easy, right, all the time. What is the key? I mean, the, the tackles. Dion mentioned all the tackles and the consistency across the board all four years. I mean, what's the key to, to racking up tackles? I mean, obviously, interceptions, sacks, that's that's a different skill set. People are more um, they, they more follow or they, they're more attuned to. But tackles, just being well, able to get to the stops, what was your key? Just running to the ball. I mean, all we did was we just ran to the ball. Coach Temple and uh, McAvoy just wanted us to make sure that, you know, wherever we were, we had all 11 of us had to show up in the film. So when the tape was about to be over with, you better you better show up in the film some way, somehow. So I think that contributed to tackles that I made because, you know, sometimes a guy would miss a tackle or two. And if you're running, you're able to make a play that you wouldn't expect to make. And so I think that's that's a lot of uh, a lot you know not not only that but it's, that's a uh, majority of it but a lot of it was just want to you know some guys you know jog not our guys but on other teams you see guys jog and guys with score but we all just wanted to be good and uh, I just contributed you know a lot of the tackles to just run into the ball. You played alongside some linebackers that were amazing as well, Johnny Holosack and, and Kevin Hardy, and I know Simeon Rice was listed as a linebacker, more of a rush guy for that defense. Um, how did you guys make each other better? You know, we all brought something different to the, to the game. Uh, I think I was the one that was the most highly touted out of all four of us. Uh, I was like the number five, in, I mean, number five in the Midwest, number one in the state. Uh, top uh, top twenty, top twenty five in the country. So coming out of high school, you mean? Out of high school. So yeah. with that, you know, um, you know, I was hoping that I could come to Illinois and make a difference and start something. You know, I could have went to the Michigans and all that, but you know, I would have just been another guy. You know, my my whole thought was to you know to start something. Although I didn't know a whole lot about the buckets back in the day, I just knew that I wanted to be the guy who could rally guys around me and we could be great together. And then I met a, a young young guy, John Hulsack. We came in the same year. I didn't know a whole lot about John. He didn't like me. I didn't like him. But Coach <laughs> Tepper told us we had to get along. So um, How do you make you get along? <laughs> he, he made us room together. He made us uh, sit by each other at lunch, dinner. I mean, so him, me and John are like brothers now. That's my guy. So, you know, John John was a pretty – I didn't know a lot about him. But, you know, I think I helped raise his game and he, and he helped raise mine. And then then came along Simeon and Kevin, who, uh, you know, Kevin wasn't a highly talented guy, but he was a big rangy guy who was just an athlete. You know, because he played basketball with, uh, I think, Cabertini in high school. So, he, you know, he was, he was a pretty good guy anyway coming in. And he was the most athletic of the four. And then, then we had Simeon, who was uh, a guy who was just a freak of nature, you yes. know. And and he also brought an attitude about himself because he thought he he thought nobody was better than Simeon. <laughs> so I think with all four of us with, with different attributes, we just we came together and made it made ourselves uh, something that I mean we I think we always thought we could be good, but we didn't know how good we could be. And our I think it's, it was our junior and senior year. We were named um, all four years. We were in the top linebackers in the country. But our junior and senior year, we became the number one linebacker corner in the country in two years in a row. 
Yeah, I know they started calling us linebacker you with you guys up there, man. That, that was yeah. kind of the tag at that time. Yeah, we just – all we did was wanted to play ball, you know. All four of us got drafted. I think um, I think more than anything, we helped other guys around us. I mean, you had a Scott Turner who nobody knew about, but Scott was like one of the fastest guys, if not the fastest guy on the team. And we, we made him better. He ended up getting drafted. I mean, off, off of our team over to a two-year period, I want to say we had probably – Eight nine guys get drafted. Wow! You know, my senior, we were eight and four. We could have easily been undefeated, but you know, things happen. A couple drops here, uh, a couple missed tackles, and now we're we're eight and four. Well, you know, that's why they call, in my opinion, football the the ultimate team sport because you know you guys got eleven guys out there on the field. the 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 amount of film and preparation that it takes for all of you guys to be ready and have 11 guys playing on the same page, you know, is a lot. But this is why you need leadership. And I remember watching those games. I sat in the stands a whole lot. They wouldn't let me up in the press box at this time. But, (laughs) you know, I sat and watched you guys played a lot. And you you were one of those leaders, probably the leader, you and Johnny Holosek. Yeah, um, I was named um, captain my junior and senior year, so – that was more, I mean, I'm used to being a leader because of high school and junior high school. I, I've always been uh, touted as a leader. So, I mean, it was nothing for me to be a guy to want to lead anyway. So, when I got, I just came in with my mentality was such that I wasn't used to losing. You know, East St. Louis senior, I went three years in a row in the state all three years. My senior year, we were high school national champions. So, my mentality was like, I don't want to lose. Um, so when I got there, my freshman year, they put me on scout team. And I was like, this, this is a scrub team. Why, why, why am I out here? And so I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to be out here. I'm going to make the best of it. So myself and John, we would go out like it was a game day because that was our game day because we were we were uh, registered. So that was our game day. So we, every day we came out to practice, we came out with a mentality like we anything happens, we're blowing them up. We're blowing it up. And so – they started kicking us out of practice. It was like, go down there with the regulars. Go down there with the ones, too, because you guys are disrupted. I'm like, well, I, I, I didn't come here to be a blocking, a blocking dummy. I came here to play ball. And so that was our mentality. We didn't want to be practice squad guys. We wanted to play. And, and to be honest, I'm so happy I, I reassured it because it helped me uh, academically. It helped me mentally and it helped me physically because, you know, guys nowadays say, oh, oh I'm coming straight from high school playing. Well, you got, I mean, not saying I wasn't special, but I know I, I wouldn't have been ready. I would have, I mean, learning the playbook on defense, defense-wise is totally different. Now, as a receiver, you can run up down the field, just run a nine route, run a curl. I mean, that's nothing. But, <laughs> but defensively, you, I mean, you got to think about it. defensively, we are always a step behind the offense because mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't know where they're going. You know, they held up, they come out to play. We look at them, we say, okay, well, we assume this, 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 this. And they may run, they may pass. We don't know what they might do. But we have to be smart enough to understand that these are the probabilities of what can happen. And with that being said, um, guys like myself, you know, being a a young guy, I was trying to say, helped me because academically, as you guys know, U of I is one of the most competitive schools in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, One. Two. Uh, just getting used to, you know, football is 
being a job. I mean, it's a, athletics is a job, as a lot of people know. I mean, if you're not an athlete, well, some majority of people who aren't athletes know that as well. But it's a full-time job, not, not to mention your academics. So right. you have to balance both. And that was one reason why I was happy. To, I wasn't happy to redshirt, but I redshirted, so I'm happy I did now because it helped me tremendously. Um, I graduated in four years. I was in graduate school my fifth year. I, I probably wouldn't have done any of that. Really, I probably would have, you know, I thought about leaving school early my junior year to turn pro, and they convinced me to stay. They were like, look, I mean, what you mean you've been broke this long? Why not stay another, another year? <laughs> right. That, 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 that sounds familiar, but, you know, I, I understand completely where you're coming from. Um, I had to red shirt for a different reason. Um, of course, with the whole Bruce Pearl thing. But I, I truly agree with you. Um, that one year helped me tremendously, helped me academically, helped me uh, really be able to blend in socially. I mean, you, like myself, coming from East St. Louis, um, it, it was a bit different being dropped on the campus at U, at U of I. <laughs> you know, just the whole being able to live um, situation was a little different. Now, like you said, all of these young guys are coming in they want to play right away or they feel they should play right away. If you had to grab a group of them guys, and I know you do a lot still uh, with the football team, what's some of the things that you tell those guys, especially those freshmen that are coming in, especially since we're so freshmen and sophomore laden right now? Well, I mean, well, now obviously Lovey needs him to play because he didn't, he was, he was left with a bad cover when he came in. So, he just needed a warm body, somebody to feel a uniform. Mm-hmm. But uh, seeing as though these guys are getting older and, and uh, getting bigger and wiser, I mean, and the new guys who come in, they need to understand that, you know, playing right away isn't the best for everybody. I mean, not only that, but if you're not starting every game, you're wasting the season. I mean, that's the season where you could have gotten bigger, stronger, faster. Now you just you're sitting around uh, playing sparingly behind someone and nobody's really going to pay you any attention. You you need a full, a full year to, to get yourself together. Strength, strength, why? Because you, you're really essentially playing against grown men. Right. Playing against 20, 20-something-year-old guys who are uh, bigger, stronger, faster, mentally ready, mentally prepared. I mean, look look at uh, Friday's game against Penn State. I mean, we came out and we played very well for three quarters. And mm-hmm. then in the fourth quarter, mentally, physically, Penn State to go. Yes. Because they were obviously mentally more prepared, physically, uh, phys- more physical than we were, and our guys weren't there yet. They, they don't understand. They obviously don't understand the grind yet. Right. And that was one of the things I looked at. You know, of course, I was there at the game, and, I, and so we looked at them. You, you look at the Penn State offensive line, and, mm-hmm. of course, offensive linemen are normally – uh, bigger and heavier anyway for, for their jobs, you know, and what they do out there. But they were bigger than our defensive tackles. I mean, our defensive tackles are normally big guys. If you look at them, 300 across the board normally. Those, I mean, we looked small compared to their to their offensive line. So that goes right along line with what you're saying about just the development uh, of the body physically, um, that time that's needed. Yeah, I mean, and, and- – I mean, now Kent State's in the in the Western Illinois. Obviously, we're, we're more, more athletic than those guys. So, right. beating them wasn't a problem. But now you get up against the Big Ten guys, the Penn States, the Wisconsin's, the Iowa's. You talking about some grown men, some guys that are ready to play on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And you know, 
now, I mean, now is the time for these guys to mentally get prepared uh, for these upcoming games to understand what they have in front of them. I mean, it was a good, great test for them. They played very well for three quarters against the top 10 team, and they did very well. But now that loss should serve as a measuring stick to where they need to be. Right. Well, you're right. I mean, and that's one of the greatest things, as, you know, as a coach and as a player, and I think you'll be able to go along with this, no one likes losing, but if you're going to yep. lose, the best thing you can get is film. The best thing yep. you can get is tape because if you could see, you know, the differences uh, or, or what you're supposed to look like, then that takes that helps you in your development, yep. both mentally as well as physically. Right. It gives you a little bit more fire. Um, with you, and, you know, and this is one of the things I've always, and I hope, I, you know, people uh, better listening to us will understand this. There's so much preparation that goes on with you guys in order because we see what comes out on the field, but we don't understand the preparation. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys prep, how football players prep and get ready in just the long hours? Because you mentioned, you know, how balancing being a student athlete and being a, a, a student and athlete as well as trying to balance your social life. Well, um, I mean, this this is a job. Like I said, it's a it's a you know, it's a nine to five job. I mean, every, I mean, you know, in college it's uh, a little bit different because you know you have school, but in the pros, obviously, it's a full time job. You're at the facility from seven in the morning to probably six or seven in the evening, and uh, you know, college is, again it's a little different because you have school, but still, that's still that's still considered a job. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those where you know you put in hours. Like uh, Friday, I mean, the game's over Friday. They probably had a break Saturday. But Sunday, I guarantee you, well, Sunday, I guarantee you they're back on the grind. Out there on the fields, practicing, uh, going over mental things that were wrong, uh, where they messed up a couple things, and they're showing these guys, look, it wasn't that they beat us. It was that we beat ourselves because Mm -hmm. had you fit in this gap, had you ran your feet instead of diving and tackling the guy, just like uh, the game in Chicago. Had the safety not bid on the short route and understood that he's a safety and nobody his his responsibility is nobody can get behind him because he's the last last chain of defense. You know those little things in practice. You know I, I, I get you know Allen Iverson when he said you know, <laughs> but you know it's, it's it has some truth to it, but it's a lot of falsehood to it because you know if if you don't understand what you're doing in practice, you get in the game and you're just going to be a guy that is lost. Right, and and I got think that kind of reared his head in that uh, South Florida game. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Had 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 the guy understood what was going on, I get it. In the game, he wants to make a play, but you still have responsibilities. That's why it's called the ultimate team game. Every the the game is hinges on one or two players doing their job. If everybody does their job, you, you do well. Now, sometimes, even though you do your job, some teams are just bigger, faster, and strong, and they beat you. But like the football game that's about to go on tonight, you know, when a big run occurs or a big pass play occurs, it's because one guy messed up his his assignment. Mm-hmm. So it's about everybody doing their homework, everybody understanding what, what's going on. So, you know, it's one of those where you just have to work at your craft. That's what I try to tell my daughter nowadays. She's uh. 15 and she runs track at Old Fallon High School. She's a sophomore now. And, uh, you know, but she plays softball at the same time. So, you know, when she gets out there and she'll run 100 and she gets second, maybe third, 
then she she wants to know what's wrong. Well, you just got to work at it. Don't I mean you yeah you yeah you you you're blessed to have speed, um, but at the same time you still have to work on it. You still have to stretch every day. You, I mean most of these girls you see that they run track. I mean majority of them probably can do splits without a doubt because they're so flexible mm-hmm. and they have strong stomachs. You know and and and, and, and softball just like basketball. I mean you got to work at your craft. If you know that you know your mid-range game is struggling all summer, you need to shoot about 500, 500 jumpers from around the arc somewhere and get your mid-range game together. If you're a receiver, you got to do you got to do a hundred balls, one hand, one hand, two hand, two hands. You know, turn around. I mean, you just got to work at your craft. And I think that's a lost art now. Kids just assume that oh, I got some publicity, so I'm great. Well, no, nah, you, you you've done good for where you are, but once you get to the next level, then let's determine. Then let's see how great you are. After that level, then there's another level. So you know, you know how it is. The, in high school, it's the best player on the team. In college, everybody was, everyone was the best player in high school. Right. And, and in college, you know, you got to stand out among those guys. And in the pros, everybody was the best guy on that on their, their high school and college team. All the great ones stand out because they work. They work, work, work. You know, so, you know, I, that's just something I try to preach around the house because, you know, obviously I'm a parent now. I'm a 15-year-old. I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask, does anybody listen to that in your house? <laughs> no, no, not for real. But you did. She's sitting right here. She ain't listening now. <laughs> Dana, you do sound passionate about it. Um, and I know you've done a lot of work with a lot of the kids in the community that you grew up in and, and still down yep. in that metro east area. Uh, how much do you still kind of share some of your knowledge and, and, and work with kids down there? Well, you know, whenever they ask me to come talk to the team, I, I go to East St. Louis City. I come talk to the team. I, you know, I do what I can, try to get back how I can. Um uh, but, you know, it's a little different nowadays. You know, kids don't listen like we listen. True. Everybody's great already is what they think. So they think, you know, if you're not – some listen, then some think, well, he's not, uh, he's not Ray Lewis, so I'm not listening to him. But I've been to the promised land. Right. You know, I've, I've been – I've made it. I've made it to the league. Until you get to where I've been, you need to listen to what I'm telling you. Because, you know, I've, obviously I've done something right. I played five years in the National Football League. I'm getting honored for this, for whatever it is, the College Football Hall of Fame, and you're my Hall of Fame. So I'm, I'm, I've done something right. So it's, it's just a little hard sometimes talking to the kids because they know so, they think they know so much, but they don't know anything. And you kind of got to explain to them that, you know, man, you, let, me, let me give a better example. My, <laughs> analogy, my analogy to my daughter is it's, it's, a, it's called a playbook because obviously we're sports oriented, just like you all are. And I keep saying it's, it's a it's a playbook. It's a it's a, a million page million page playbook. And I said I'm just trying to be your cliff notes. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to help you out here. You can either just go through this on on your own, like I did, because I didn't have a me. If I would have had a me, I would have been so much more better and more, much more prepared. Prepared, but she has a me. So I'm trying to tell her you don't have to read that all those million pages because I'm gonna shorten all this for you. I'm explaining to you how all this goes. I'm your cliff notes. So listen to me, and I'm going to help you. But you know how that goes. You know, Brother. The cliff notes don't always win when you're dead. Man, I'm telling you, sitting here, and, and I, I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm glad I'm not the only one. 
Because <laughs> th- these are the conversations that I've had with my oldest daughter, who's now a freshman at Illinois, who played wow. basketball all through high school. And this is the conversation I'm having with my freshman in high school now. We were just talking the other day. Babe, you need to go get this extra training in at volleyball. Well, Dad, I'm, I'm in the gym every day in volleyball. And... This is this Sunday is just my one day. I said, well, you realize it's only an hour. Well, you know, this is my only. I said, well, you know what? Let me let me let me give this to you. I was like, while you're not working, somebody else is. I was like, and you're saying you want this Division One scholarship? You want to do this? You gotta do that. Then this is what you have to do. You get better when there's no one in the gym. You're not getting better doing practice because. The coach is concentrating on the team and not concentrating on you as an individual. And this is why you have to build up those reps. So I'm glad you're doing that. Keep teaching, bro. Keep passing it along. Those young fellas down there in East Saint and, and in that area need to hear that because I agree with you 100%. I think kids nowadays don't respect the journey. They, you know, they don't respect the process. They, they want, they, you're right. They they want the now. They don't want the how you, how you get to, how did I get to where right. I'm driving what I'm driving and doing what I'm doing. It's because I put in the work. Mm-hmm. And they, they just think, oh, somebody puts puts uh, them in an article in the newspaper that they've already arrived. Yep. It's bigger than that. Like you said, it's, it's running the hundreds, running the two hundreds, running the four hundreds. You might be tired, but guess what? At the end, you're going to be so much stronger. So, and, and later on, when you get that D1 scholarship, you're like, man, I'm glad that I did what I did because, like, my my what I explain is softball's her thing. I'm like, well, if you ain't out there throwing a ball against the wall like Ozzy Smith used to do. He used to throw a tennis ball against the wall and, and just, you know, backhand and, you know, mm-hmm. go get it. I'm like, you know, my thing is it's a, it's a girl in, in New Hampshire who's just like you and she's getting better. It's a girl in Florida, you know, a, a, a little mixed girl in Florida is doing it. It's a Latin girl in Oklahoma. It's it's another girl up in Washington. Washington, another in California. All of them want that one scholarship to Stanford or Michigan. It's gonna be it's gonna go to the one who's working the most because that's the one that they want. So you're right. It's hard sometimes, but I mean, obviously with, with mine, I, I can't give up. I gotta keep it going. But these kids in the street, I, I try to do. I mean, the same way the kids down here, I try to stand their ears, stand their heads, and explain it to them. It's all glitz and glamour, but and, you know, like like they always say, you know what NFL stands for, which is not for long. Yeah. So I mean, you, absolutely, it's gone because everybody has has career ends at some point. There you go, so, Chuck. Like uh, Charles Barkley said, Father Time is undefeated. Undefeated, <laughs> right? Right. So, so what, what do you have to fall back on? I mean, yeah, you're a great ball player. Hopefully, you save some money. I mean, right. but you know, the reality is, being in the league, a lot of these guys they they won't live like the Joneses. And everybody is not the Joneses. I mean, everybody ain't making the same. You know, although you play in the league, doesn't mean you're making millions of dollars. It just means that you are, are, have a good job. Right. So. Well, you know, a, a lot of that, you know, is great. I, I mean, I love it. And that's a lot of the teaching that needs to go along. Now, you are running a successful business right now. And yeah. you are an entrepreneur, business owner. How much of that crossover that you have learned in football has carried over into what you're doing today. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, I, I run my business like it's a like like we're all like we're we're a team. 
you know, um, everything I do is about it's team constant oriented. You know, we we sit down every every day on Monday mornings. We have a you know, basically a team huddle. We go what we're gonna do for the day for the for the week, what we got going, and so we can everybody can execute what they need to do. I mean, so you know, down to the drivers, down to the, the guy that's in the yard fixing the fixing on the the machines or the trucks. I mean, it's all about teamwork. If one guy fails, then then that's gonna hurt the company in some aspect. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, team is big. To me, I, I, I take a I would take a uh, an athlete uh, before I would take uh, a person who's like a, a magna cum laude because the athlete knows how to work well with others. I mean, the, the person that's a magna uh, cum laude, magna cum laude, whatever it is, they're just uh, an intelligent person that doesn't know how to you know how to how to have, don't have a will. Most times they don't have a will to win. They just they're just you know if they lose they they don't know how to handle it. Right. It's so right. funny you say that. I actually just read, finished reading the book Grit, and in that book she talks about that very thing about you know who do you well in one of her interviews she talked about that very thing. Do you bring someone in? That's always been successful, you know, like this, the academic person that's always been successful and never had to um, deal with hardship. Or do you bring in someone that had to deal with hardship? You know, you like myself, you know, we, we didn't grow up the right way. <laughs> you know, we grew up a hard way. So that yeah. what we always knew was work, 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 grind, 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 grind. So this is the, I'm, I'm assuming these are the type of people that you you're talking about. You like to have in your in your company yeah. and groom them as yeah. they go along. People, I mean, people who you know who just have a work ethic that understand that hey, you know, I ain't gonna win all the time, but you know, I gotta figure out a way how to figure out a way to win mm-hmm. and to understand that you know, I, well for me, my mentality has been. I'm from East St. Louis. It don't get no worse than this. So there's nothing, nothing else but uh, upward. I mean, I can't do no worse. So you know, it got to be better. So my, right. I, I got to grind. I got to, I got to go get it. You know, every, every day I get up, I, I'm thinking about how I can get get these dollars. You know, for me, like I said, my partner, it ain't about black, white, or yellow. It's about green at this point. You know, I don't care what you look like, who you are. If you ain't talking about getting that that color, I'm trying to get, then you're in my way. Yeah, so yeah. I, it's just like football. I got a goal, I, just like all them tackles. Now I'm trying to get all them dollars. However, I, I can get them. But I can pull them down, tackle them. I got to get them. I ain't mad at you, big go, fella. Go through people. All good. <laughs> just like Whatever. football. <laughs> you're in my, my way. You're in my way. So I got to get them. Got to provide, baby. I can. I love yeah. it. Hey, yeah, you know, I know Eric touched on a little bit. Um, I know the football team brings you back. I know you go back and speak at East Saint. But I heard you do a lot of other things down there, man. Helping little, helping the um, youth in, in the in the community. Can you talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, uh, you know, obviously we got the world's greatest uh, female athlete ever mm-hmm. down in St. Louis, which is Jackie John Kersey, and I'm great friends with her. And um, you know, when she when she asked me to come over and, and golf in a tournament or come speak to her kids or anything of that nature, I'm I'm happy to you know to to do it. I mean. Who, who, how many times will you ever really get a chance to be around the greatest female athlete ever? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that's huge for me because I just, you know, that's my girl. I just, you know, so she calling, she asking, I'm coming. Yeah, she's amazing. I had, uh, we were inducted into the Illinois uh, Sports Hall of Fame together. 
And, oh, cool. and so I had an opportunity to sit down and, and talk to her at the table one day, man. And, and you're right. She's phenomenal. I mean, just her way, her vision and way of seeing things. And to then to be able, like you said, this is probably the greatest woman athlete ever. One of the greatest athletes, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah period. But her, her whole conversation when we were sitting there talking was about this foundation and, and being able to come back and help in East Saint. And, and and that's just tremendous. So it's great that you're doing that. I know this is because th- it's so well needed, especially in our communities, that it is it's so necessary um, for for positive uh, black men like yourself to go back and be able to talk to some of those kids. Because, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are trying to help. But these kids nowadays, eat just if you don't look like them, they ain't trying to hear you. If you ain't blinging out, they're not trying to hear you. You know, it's it's just hard. So I, I I appreciate it, man. I take my hat off for what you guys are doing down there in East Saint, cause it's just a lot of uh, a lot of intelligent people down there, just like up here, that that that's putting themselves on the sideline. Yeah, true. You're right. You're right. You're right. Anybody help you like that? What what gave you the incentive to go out and and give back so much? Well, we we had a guy named Kevin Winslow who went to my high school. So he would come back and he'd speak to us. I mean, you know, I get it was one of those things where our coach, Bob Shannon, he coached Kellen Winslow. And uh, it was, you know, we had a tradition of knowing our history. We had, you know, you had to get, know the guy before you. You need, you need to know from, if you're going somewhere, you need to go know from whence you've come. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, need, we had to know guys like that. Kerry Glenn, guy that played in the league, Kellen Winslow, uh, Victor Scott. Who played the Dallas Cowboys? Well, I mean, we had we had a lot of good guys that, that went on to play in the league from East St. Louis. Saying so, guys like that would come back and speak to us and explain explain to us, you know, what what football was like, what life was like. Actually, the crazy thing, my my uh, favorite team in, uh, growing up was the Pittsburgh Steelers, and one day we just uh, they had all the football players come to the auditorium. We're like we didn't know what was going on, and. Uh, Guy on stage with Franco Harris. Wow! And Franco comes in and he just tells us the story of his life about how he grew up and how you know he never had anything. And when he got to Pittsburgh, every, everybody thought that all the little kids thought he was going to have a Cadillac or some expensive vehicle. He said, you know, first thing he bought was a bike. He, he rode his bike to work every day. He he had an apartment downtown and he rode his bike to to uh, Three Rivers Stadium. He was like, for me, I just wanted to show kids that you know it, it ain't about the Blame, blame, or buying the most expensive this or that. It's just about being an average, average good guy and doing things the right way. Um, and I guess, and that day kind of hit me with the life after football deal. You know, he uh, he was telling us at that time that was like eighty nine, ninety. He was telling us at that time that he um, owned a um, sausage company. I was like, really? He was like, yeah. He said he got into the sausage business. He owned he owned one of the largest majority sausage owned companies in the, in the country. Hmm. It's like wow. So that's when I realized that you know, football is not going to last forever. You, you're going to have to do something different. You got you got to figure something out. And uh, I was the type of guy that never really you know I, I, I wanted to be my I wanted to be an entrepreneur anyway. So I figured I had to do something. So you know I started off having football. I became a financial advisor for uh, nine years with Merrill Lynch. And then um, I got approached by some uh, union union guys locally because I had a lot of union accounts, uh, a lot of the locals. I handled their funds. 
Right? They were like, man, you'd be a great minority contractor. I was like, really? They were like, yeah, you know, you did it in high, you did it in college. You worked as an engineer and uh, and labor in high school. We'd help you. And I was like, all right. So you know, the market you know went up, went down a couple times, and I was like, yeah, it's kind of killing my paycheck. I need something different. And uh, I got into it, man. It's just been it's been great ever since. I mean, you know, I've been I started you know, doing a couple hundred thousand here and a million, a couple million. And uh, so I've grown it to like 18 million. So um, oh. it's been going pretty good. You know, that don't mean I make, I'm making 18 million. I just <laughs> do that much <laughs> of revenue. <laughs> I don't want people to get it twisted like, man, you killing me. I'm, I'm doing pretty deep. You know, I'm just, you know, I got to grind still, you know, because I still have bills. Just because I, I have that much volume, that means that there's much, that much more, that much debt and that much. Um, that much different things I need to I got to get out of and, you know right. paying off and you know payroll I got sixty five to seventy employees so that means I got to make sure I got payroll every week I got to make sure that these these machines are paid for I got to make sure that my Missouri office my Illinois office have power phone water all that lights gas toilet paper so you know how you know to what they say to whom much is given much is required oh yeah so uh, I just got to you know keep understanding that you know. I've been given an opportunity. Uh, God gave me an opportunity to do the things I'm doing. So I got to, you know, keep it going, keep it rolling. Because I got not just my family to feed, but those those people, their families to feed. Danny, you talk about the grind a lot. We've, we've talked a lot about this. Do you think you would have been the same person, the same player, had you not grown up in East St. Louis? Possibly. I mean, you know, because obviously I, I've been around a lot of people who, you know, I, I – I didn't know it when I'm growing up in East St. Louis. You don't, you don't know what it's like to not have because you never had anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, so I never had an opportunity. To, never had. I didn't. I didn't get a college. I got in high in college. Um, you know, I obviously I had a bed, I had food. I didn't have to want for a lot, but I didn't realize that I didn't have a lot until I got to school and I, I, I went home with kids mm-hmm. and you're like. This your house? This is a hotel. Now this is my house. Like, man. <laughs> then you look, I'm looking at my, my house. Me and my brother, my brother's 6'4". I'm 6'1". We, we slept in the same bedroom that looks like a box. So mm-hmm. I didn't know. We didn't, I didn't know any better. You know, all I knew is that this is what we had. But, you know, to answer your question, I think that, I think that growing up here helped me. Tremendously because it, it made my hunger for success that much more, you know, because playing, playing high school ball made me, you know, love the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm doing I'm good at something. And then I then my teachers started telling me, yeah, you're good, but it's more than just football to this game. You got to get your books. Yeah. You know, I wasn't a dumb guy by any stretch of imagination, but I, I never, never pushed myself uh, sports. I mean, uh, academically. And then when I got to U of I, uh, you know how they, they bring me in and um, they put me back in English. I was like, what the hell? I just graduated in, out of English science. <laughs> but my my, my, my uh, writing wasn't up to par because, you know, obviously in East St. Louis, the ag- academics weren't up to par. So they had me back in like, you know, not basically a remedial level. So obviously I didn't want to be there. So I knew I had to do what I had to do mm. to get myself prepared. I mean, like I said, lo and behold, I go from a, a guy making C's 
to a guy graduating and getting a master's. I mean, uh, going to graduate school in five, in five years. No. So it, it's not a, it's not a it's one of those things. It's a, it's a, a want to, not a have to. I wanted to get this, it, not because I had to do it. It's a want to. Kind of like scout team to all Big Ten, Becky Sore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not like you were meant to be. All right, it's not going to be an Illini podcast if I don't ask the question about the the, the big in Illini lore. You know the question I'm going to ask, the guarantee. I mean, we talked a lot of numbers. Dana, what was your record against Ohio State in your four years? Uh, well, actually, five years. Five years, thank four, you. Yeah, you're four, richer, too. And, and mm-hmm. how many touchdowns did you guys give up when you were on the field against them? Yeah, I mean, we we made sure every time we played Ohio State, we, we counted that as a victory. <laughs> <laughs> so you did just that in, 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 the, in the paper, and I think the swagger, you know, for the Illini Nation, especially at that time, how important it was. Um, do, you, do you remember doing that, that? Was that a conscious decision, or was that just something that came out, it was a question, and, and you answered it? Yeah, so I'm going to help you out. So I, <laughs> I, mean, I meant to say this. At, at the um, at the um, uh, induction, bonus content here for our listeners. Like it? Oh yeah. <laughs> so what ended up happening was, I did the weekly call where where the um, reporters asked you, you know, what you think about the other team, how how good you feel about the game, and uh, they were like, I said, well, I feel good. I feel like you know we got a good chance. I think that we, you know we can come in and pull out a victory. And the guy was no. The guy started by asking me about uh, a linebacker on their team. He said, how do you compare yourself to this guy? I said, compare myself to him. I said, what do you mean? I said, I'm the number one linebacker in the Big Ten. I'm concerned. He, you need to compare him to me. And he was like, oh, okay. He said, well, you think you got a chance to win? I said, yeah, I think we're going to win. He said, oh, so you, uh, he said, is that a guarantee? I said, you call it what you want. I said, but they named me captain, so you know, I speak for my team. I'm, we're going to come in Ohio, Ohio State, and we're going to win. He said, so are you guaranteeing? I said, man, I don't care what you call it. It's a guarantee if that's what you need to hear. It's a guarantee we will win at Ohio State. So, obviously, he baited me into saying it because, you know, I, I mean, you understand. Y'all understand. I mean, y'all been out here. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> I mean, somebody asked you if you're going to win. What are you supposed to say? Oh, I think we got a good chance. No, we, yeah, we're going to win. I mean, that that's the mentality of an athlete. Any good athlete is going to tell you. And anybody's successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and if I'm the captain of the team, don't nobody want to hear me say, well, I think we got a chance. My guys wanted to hear me say we were going to win because that, that was their mentality as well. So it came back out that I guaranteed victory. I mean, if every every player should try to guarantee victory. Yes. That's just what I look at. And so I said, yeah, we're going to win. And it blew up to Dana Howard says they're going to be Ohio State and this and that. Coach Tepper had a, had a hissy fit. I was going to ask, what was, what was this? Is fall of '94 for those that don't remember? What what was his reaction? Where, when did he find out? When, where where did he confront you about it? Oh, he confronted me at practice in front of everybody. About the team up before practice, he said, uh, "I just want to let you know what, what predicament your captain put you in. You know, uh, they, he guaranteed that you guys are going to beat Ohio State, and he says, uh, who out here? Raise your hand if you think you, you're going to beat Ohio State.' Everybody raised their hand." And he said, uh, and Simeon said, said, well, what else was he supposed to say? That, we voted him captain. So he said, he's speaking for all of us. And so I looked at Tep like, I mean, there you have it. What did you think I was supposed to say? And I, I think it was one of those where he was just trying to, trying to, you know, use our young emotions against, against us. And uh, 
we were like, you know, we're going to win. He, he said, well, I hope so because he's put you guys in a horrible position. And I'm like, what? I want to say, what the fuck is he talking about? But I'm like, <laughs> whatever. So, lo and behold, because I said that, you know, as you can recall, the practice field was almost like three or four practice fields mm-hmm. outside. So, after practice, I had to do up-downs all the way down all the way back because I guaranteed a victory. Then, uh, that Thursday, he said, he said, I hope you learned your lesson. Uh, so, he learned my lesson. I said, we're going to win. I said, you know, why am I here if I'm not thinking we're going to win? So, we get to Ohio State in the lock, locker room. With, he's talking. Then, you know, he grabbed me before we go out. He said, hey, I'm, I'm counting on you. You said what you're going to do. You better go out there and do it. And so, Luckily, I had a good game. I had a, an interception, I think two sacks, a safety, about 10 or 12 tackles. Um, and we ended up winning 24 to 17, I think it was, something like that, 24 to 13. And, uh, you know, everybody was like, oh, you just did that so you try to win the Buckers Award. That, that was one of those, so you win the Buckers Award. I was like, look, man, I, was, I just wanted us to win. I thought we were going to win anyway. You know, <laughs> so I just, that's what I said. So now it's gone down in history as, uh, the prediction, like I just really, I mean, I'm like, I didn't predict anything. I just said what I knew the other 70 young men on my team <laughs> would have wanted me to say. Exactly. Well, see, so hey, like you said, they voted you captain. You, you, and, and you said exactly the right thing because you, you, if anyone goes into something thinking the opposite, then you yeah. might as well just already get out of. My mother used mm-hmm. to always tell me, you don't ever use the word never. You don't ever use the word can't because as soon as you said it, you're done. You can't do it. It's all yep. over. It's finished. So mm-hmm. that that should be one of those fables that need to go down in the history, not just at Illinois, but for everyone. Speak yeah. it, sp- What you speak, you speak into existence. If right. you think you're going to lose, you're going to lose. If you believe you're going to yep. win, you're going to win. So I've never yep. heard the postscript to that with Coach Tepper. Did you, did you talk to him after the game? Oh, did I, I didn't have to because he, he hooked me. Has it ever been discussed since then? Uh-huh. Has it ever been? Has there ever been an official? I told you so. Since then, no. Nah, but but he after that game he hugged he hugged me so tight you thought we, we were dating. That's <laughs> why <laughs> so he hugged me. You know what I mean? Because you know we were. I think we were like like six and one or six and two. I think we lost to Purdue and we went mm-hmm. to Ohio State after that. And man, he was like, that's why he was so freaked out. Uh-huh. I'm like, man, I say, look, I'm, I'm speaking for my guys. You know, they they voted me captain. So hey, I'm telling, I'm saying what I know we're gonna do. Hey, Amen. And too. He, after the game, he was just so. <laughs> I bet. And he told you don't ever do it again, and you were like, I'm gonna do it every time if I ever get asked. I'm sure you were. Did you ever get baited into it again? No, nobody else. Nobody. Asked, but I knew. Obviously, I knew after that that it was like you know, hey, we're gonna come out and play a good game, and we're gonna hey, we're gonna try to do what we can do, and uh, we're gonna you know give our best effort. I mean, which essentially meant we were going to win. But <laughs> just what, just nobody what he had to say. Just what he said is ballsy. Yeah, nobody had to come go. back and say, are you guaranteeing? <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you're phrasing it a little differently. But, Dana, it was a pleasure having you uh, on the fadeaway. Congratulations on being inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame as well as the University of Illinois Hall of Fame. And thank you for Appreciate all it. that you do for the young men still wearing the orange and blue and what you do for the community back in East St. Louis. Now we're going to give a big shout out 
to my man Chris Hardwick of the Painless Network and the Painless Podcast Network. Hey, follow the Painless Podcast Network for great interviews with some of the movers and shakers across the business world. Last but not least, I want to thank everyone for listening to The Fadeaway and make sure that you follow us on all social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, as well as Instagram. And subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, as well as Google Play. Cordana Howard, Eric Schmidt, and myself will meet us next time in the post with the fadeaway. Swish. Until next time. You were supposed to say the swish. I, I, if it was me, I was going to be clunk. <laughs> <laughs>